You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Turning your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of John, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Um, but as you do that, we, we are going to pray real quick because as, um, as everybody knows, there's an incredible storm hitting uh, Florida. Uh, we know what we've seen in Texas. We understand um, and that there could be something amaz- major happening in Florida as well. Uh, many of you probably have family members like I do who have had already to evacuate. Um, so let's just pray over um, the state. Lord, we just thank you that you are the God that's in control. You are in control. And, and Lord, you dictate the seasons. You dictate weather. Lord, you dictate all things. Um, Father, you are master overall. So, Lord, what we do is we just pray for those residents in Florida who are going to be affected, Father, not just in Florida, but those who are already affected in the Caribbean, Lord. Uh, Father, we pray, uh, be with them, protect them, Lord God. Uh, Make this even something that would cause people to come to know you. Lord, we pray that uh, where there may be a need in the coming days, you would reveal that to us. And Father, uh, we would rise to the occasion. Um, Lord, it is your will that we would make an impact in our world. Lord, that we would be the one to um, touch those who are less fortunate and in need. So, Lord, we just pray for safety. We pray uh, for protection, Lord. Um, And Lord, we just ask that you would move mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I don't know how many of you have come to learn something that I've come to learn, um, and, and that is this. You can have two people watch the same thing and come away with two completely different perspectives. Have you ever noticed that? You, you, you can see the same thing. Two people can look at the exact same thing and walk away with two different perspectives. How many, how many of you are married and you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Right. You can see the same thing and come to two different conclusions. It's not just in marriage. It's just with anybody. Um, for example... I remember a time when I was in high school, it was a, I was a senior in high school, and I was walking with a friend of mine through the parking lot, and as we were walking through the parking lot, we noticed that the security guard, the head of security, how many of you guys had a security guard at your school? Okay, I was the only the one in prison, I guess, right now. <laughs> well, we used to have security guards at our school, kind of watching everything that was going on, head of security. We walked past his car, and my friend and I, we noticed that the windows were down, the door was unlocked, and the keys were in the ignition. Two people seeing the same thing came away with two different perspectives. He thought this was a fantastic opportunity to take the keys out of the car, secure the door, and return the keys to the office. I thought he was um, dumb. I thought this was a perfect opportunity that God had given us for us to hone our driving skills. Don't you judge me. I wasn't saved back then. That's why I believe in youth group today. That's why I believe in youth group today. What would it have saved me? So we got into the security guard's car, and I took this thing for a ride. I kid you not. I took this thing for a ride, took it up to the top of the hill, found a back road, and let me tell you something. I was good. I I was learning how to drive. We were laughing. We thought this was the greatest thing ever. I was going to get it back to him way before he ever noticed it, except for one problem. I never checked how much gas was in the tank. 
And so right there at the very end almost of this, of this back road on top of a hill, I got stuck. Now, do you know the feeling of when you know that you're going to die? Have you ever had that feeling come over you like, this is it. I mean, that was a good life and now it's over. That's exactly how I felt. I was desperate. I got myself, I don't even know how I did this. I, I, I stole our security guard's car. And you know, when you do something at first, you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, right? But I, I was in the cone of dumb, right? That 15 to 25 year old guy, cone. I was in that cone of dumb. I saw, and I was desperate to get unstuck. We pushed that car for I don't know how long, finally got gas, took it back. No one noticed. And, and now the worst thing that's happened out of all of it is you, you, you sitting there judging me. That's the worst thing that came about it. But I was so desperate to get unstuck. Something had to happen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done anything kind of dumb that made you desperate to get unstuck? You found yourself maybe stuck in a relationship, stuck in, in an attitude, stuck in some bad choices. And desperately what you're desiring to do is to get unstuck. In your notes it says that there are two primary choices in life. We can accept conditions as they exist or accept responsibility for changing them. And until we accept responsibility to change... We stay stuck. There's nothing worse than the feeling of being stuck. Stuck in life, stuck spiritually, stuck financially. When we feel stuck, it feels as though life itself has lost its zest. It feels like the birds don't chirp as loud as they normally do and the sunsets are a little duller. When we feel stuck, we feel hopeless. God has not called us to be a people who live in the stuck. God has called us to be a people who are progressing and moving where he has called us to move. Life, though, gives us plenty of opportunities to get stuck, doesn't it? There's one thing that I've realized is that life never runs in neutral. You ever notice that? Life never stays in neutral because there's some times I'm sure in your life, times in my life where we would agree, man, it would be nice if we could just stay right here, right in this moment. Don't let it change. I'm just thinking about the other day, a couple months ago, it was, it was summertime and my, my family, we're on a vacation and we're driving up to DC. Um, we're looking at the mountains and the hills as we're driving the Shenandoah Valley and, and, and my kids are actually not hitting each other. They're not, they're not arguing. They're, they're like even enjoying one another's presence. There's music. I wanted that moment to stay right there. How many of you have ever been in a time like that? Just let it stay here. You go on a cruise. You're at, you're at the beach. Lord, just let it stay here. Let life live in neutral. But how many of you know it doesn't? Life is either progressing forward or it's progressing in reverse. It wasn't too long I come home and Life didn't stay in neutral. My son goes off into the military. The other kids go back to school. Um, there's dishes to be done. You know, and I'm going to pretend I do the dishes so I can just say that. But there's stuff to be done. 
Life doesn't stay in, in neutral. God is always calling us to become unstuck because life would always challenge us to become stuck. When change happens, listen, you have to weigh your options and decide whether you're going to be a victim or a victor of change. But change will come. Change will come. And the question that we have before us is when that change comes into your life, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I've watched so many sad stories in people's lives where change comes their way, and it's hard change. It's difficult change. But they become so stuck in the change that they refuse to ever press forward. And then then they sit there. And that unwillingness to change, you know what it starts to morph into? Ugly things. Turns into bitterness. Turns into resentment. Turns into wounds. Turns into living a life that sees all that's wrong with it than all that it could be. When we don't embrace change and we resist change, life doesn't stop just for you. Sometimes I got that feeling, though, as, as though if I just refuse this change, if, as if I just resist this change, then, then life will be forced to stop with me. No, no, it continues to go because life does not live in neutral. How many of you know that even positive change sometimes can be hard to handle? Things that, that, that are good, that you're, they're going in a direction you want, but even that kind of change is hard. How many of you have ever gotten a promotion at work? Okay, you better work harder. None of you guys are raising... <laughs> I'm going to talk to your employers. <laughs> I'm supposed to be worshiping God through our work. How many of you have ever got a promotion? Lord, I prayed that the spirit <laughs> of laziness would just know... Okay, how many of you ever changed a job that was going to require more leadership from you? Raise your hand. Okay, listen, how many of you would say that that's good change? But how many of you have ever gotten stuck in fear wondering, do I have what it takes to do this job now? How many of you have ever wondered with a certain sense of worry, will those that I'm leading respect my leadership and follow me? right? Change that is good, but then there's these attendant fears and you could become stuck in your fears and not walk out the good thing that God is doing in your life. The very best thing that human history has ever experienced in all of history was when Jesus Christ came, died for our sins and raised again. Greatest moment in human history. How many would say that was good change? But did you know that even in that good change, the apostle Peter became stuck? He became stuck because change is hard. Looking at 1 Peter chapter 13, verse 31, understand starting even in verse 30, this is the cool thing that happened. Judas has has left. So now it's just Jesus and the apostles. It's just Jesus and the apostles and us today. Knowing that this was going to be captured, passed down through generations, what Jesus is doing is he's speaking to those that he loves. 
He's speaking to those who have a relationship with him. Chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's called Jesus' farewell address. And I challenge you, we're not going to read all of it today, but I want, you, I want to challenge you this week, read chapters 14, 15, 16, 17 of John. You'll hear the heart of the Father. You'll hear the heart of Jesus. How many of you would say that the words that you would speak to those that you love when you know that you're dying are going to be pretty important words, right? You want to make sure every single word counts. If, if I'm dying, I got my family around me. Those last words, man, they better be meaningful, right? It better not be just, you know, did, did, did Cam Newton throw a touchdown today? It's going to be more than that, right? There's going to be important stuff, although we'll all agree that that's going to be important today, right? We all agree that's important today. Never mind. We want to make sure that our words are important. And so Jesus goes into this um, address, this final address, and in verse 31, he begins to let them know that change is coming, He says, when he was gone, that being Judas, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and I will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You look for me and just like I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I am going, you cannot come. Children, what I'm telling you is this. Change is coming. And it's going to be a good change. It's going to be for your good. But nonetheless, listen, change is coming. The response that they have is difficult for them. It says, my children, where you're going, where I'm, only be, I'm going to only be with you for a little longer. You'll look for me. As I told the Jews, now I tell you where I'm going. You cannot come. And a new command I give you. Isn't this interesting? Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's fascinating to me. Jesus is saying, change is coming. He's implicitly saying as well, it ain't going to be easy for you, so I got a new commandment for you. You know what it is? Love each other. Love each other. How many of you have ever gone through a season of change that was tough? And one of the greatest gifts that you've been given is that another brother or sister in Christ comes up and says, we got this together. That I'm going to love you through this season. I'm going to love you through this wound. I'm going to love you through this fear. I'm going to love you through this sea. In fact, what I'm not going to allow, I'm going to love you so much, I'm not going to let you get stuck. We're going to remain unstuck. And what Jesus is saying, listen, love one another through this change, this new commandment I give you, is to love one another. And when you do that, guess what? People will know you're mine. Because I am love. People will know that you are mine. Verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll, I'll lay down my life for you. Peter is saying, I, I don't want change. This is good. What we got right here, let's just live in neutral. This works for me. I got you, you got me. 
We, we, the people love to hang out with us. We see some crazy things, right? I want it to be just like this. Don't blame Peter. Don't look down on him. Because haven't you been there? God, this is good. I like where I'm at. I like the job I have. I like my friends. But look, I like what I have. Why are you calling me to change? Jesus says this to him. Then Jesus said, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. But don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And you know the place that I am going. You know the place that I am going. You know what it is? It's a place that we are going. It's a place that you and I are going. Jesus would just tell Peter, Peter, listen, I know you want things to stay like this. Trust me. Trust me in the new. Trust me in the change. Trust me in the unstuck. Because if you think it's good today, you have no idea what you're getting tomorrow. Change is tough, but follow me, Peter. Understand what's happening. What Jesus was doing was he was informing his disciples that a coming change would be for their good. But they're resistant, overwhelmed by change. It was for their good. How many of you just love change? Raise your hand. You just, you just. Let's have a little test. Reach down, grab your stuff. All your stuff. Grab your stuff. Everybody got your stuff? Okay, stand up. No, like literally, stand up. Okay, if you're sitting on this side of the room, go to the other side. This side, go to this side. Go ahead, go. visit for a half hour. Uh-huh. Some of y'all don't even know what to do with yourselves. Show of hands, how many of you loved that? You are sick. You are sick and there's something wrong with you. No, most of us, right, even just a little change like that, doesn't that throw you off a little bit? Because listen, I know some of y'all, y'all have certain seats that you don't like to give up and that's where you sit because you're convinced that's where the Holy Spirit sits, right? Even little, in fact, the seagulls hate change so much they stayed right where they were. There's no place, no place for them to go. I get, I, I get, I get. How many of you would say you felt some word, like when when it comes to change, you can feel anxiety, grief, questions about the future, or fear, right? In just life itself, and some of those you felt all of that, and just moving from one side to the other of the room. Change is tough. It 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 it, it stirs up things within us that we don't want stirred up. 
We love stability. We love living in the neutral. We love living in the neutral. And when change comes, and it will, the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Do I believe that my God is the author of change? And if my God is the author of change, and if my God is faithful, and my God sees me, and he loves me, can I trust the change? Will I allow myself to get unstuck? Write this down, as I'm going to get you guys out of here. We'll go through this real quick. How do we navigate seasons of change? First one, know that change is necessary for progress. Know that change is necessary for progress. Hebrews 6, 1 says this, Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. That, that there's a maturity, there's a forward progress, that we don't want to stay where we are. And change can be the conductor of maturity. Change is the conductor of of maturity because you have to experience change if you want to experience all that God has for you in this life. If you want to experience all the fullness of the plans and the purposes that God has for your life, you got to be willing to go through change. And what God has for you, let me tell you something, it's better than where you are today. I remember when I was um, about six years old and we had a, a house. We got our first house in Hawaii and we were dead broke. I'm talking dead broke. Plywood for walls. We had some screens, tin roof, uh, no electricity. Uh, we had no hot water. We had actually had to take a bag of water, set it out in the morning and hope that the sun heat, would heat it enough so you can get a little bit of a warm water at night. Um, that was the house that we lived in. We lived in there for quite a few years. Then in my sixth grade year, we moved to another house. It was a three-bedroom, two-bath glory. Let me tell you what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and now when I walked inside that house, though, true story, the first thing I did, I had my pillow and I had my sleeping bag and I walked into the living room and I found a little corner and I laid down. And I said, can this be my room? And my dad walked over to me and he laughed and he goes, no, son, you got your own room over here. And he opened up the door and my, my own room, I had a room. It had a bathroom in it. I was like this just. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea, Dad, why I'm going to take a security card car for a joyride later in life. Because this is perfect. I don't know, Lord. It was like, this was perfect. But see, what happened was, I was being, I was settled with just having that little corner in the living room, right? That was good enough. But it wasn't good enough for my father. He had something more for me. And I had experience change to get it. Listen to me. Listen to me, you might be satisfied with what you've got today, but it's, it's not all that God has for you. He's got something bigger for you. Don't settle for being stuck. Don't be settled for just the corner. God wants you to be able to become unstuck and embrace change because the goodness that he has for you and the giftings that he has for you, it's going to blow your mind. Somebody say Amen. Number two, choose to live with a positive attitude. Our minds, our minds help us get unstuck before anything else does. Philippians 4, 8, finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think about these things. 
Think about these things. When change comes, control your mind. When change comes, control your mind. Allow your mind to chase truth, not allow your emotions to chase your thoughts. Allow your thoughts to chase truth. Don't allow your emotions to chase your thoughts. Because my emotions, you know what they do to me sometimes? Is they lie. Say, everything's over. It's never going to get any better. Oh my gosh, the world's coming apart. Fear, doubt, all of those things begin to creep its way in. But when I take captive those thoughts and I begin to think of the goodness of who God is, His faithfulness in in my life, all the ways that he has shown himself good to me, whatever change I might be about to experience, I know this, that my God is for me. Number three, write this down. When it comes to change, choose to remain flexible. Choose to remain flexible. Life doesn't live in neutral. You've got to remain flexible. Somebody once told me this, Jeremy, don't be just flexible, be fluid, because flexible is too rigid. Have you ever had to change in a way that you didn't want to, only to have to change again, and then again, and then again? And when you finally thought that the change was done, another change came? One of my favorite toys, how many of you guys remember this? This is back in the 80s. Um, some millennials forget about it. Back in the 80s. How many of you guys had that, um, there was like the superheroes, and you could stretch them? <laughs> Greatest thing ever. Right, I had the Hulk, and it would you could just stretch it and stretch it and stretch it, and then it would come back to like its regular position. It would stretch it again, stretch it. Again. Man, I want to live my life flexible to God's changing in my life. Like where I can be stretched, and but yet, what happens when it comes back? It's not what comes back when it, when it, when it retracts. It's not coming back to what I was. It's become it comes back to who God has created me to be. That I could be stretched, and in the stretching. What the Holy Spirit is doing is he's creating in me the ability to be the man towards the next calling that he has for my life. The change that you're facing today is setting you up for the next assignment that God has for you. Let me say this very clearly. Some of us think that if I just embrace the change today, get unstuck today, well, therefore, I will have made it and I don't have to deal with this again. Can I pop that bubble? Because here's the truth. What God is creating in you today, the discomfort that he's bringing you through today, the unstuck process that he's bringing you through today is simply setting you up because he's got even something greater in the next one. He's called you from greatness to greatness to greatness to greatness. And although change is a constant in our life, how many of you would just worship God this morning and agree that while life changes, he never does. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Unchanging is our God. And as our worship team comes back up this morning, what I want us to do is something that I find to be very, very, very important. And it's this. It's to allow the Holy Spirit to speak a word to you. A specific word to you. Is there a place in your life that you're feeling stuck? 
Is there a place in a relationship you're feeling stuck? Is there a place in church you're feeling stuck? Is there a place in your life that you know God is calling you to embrace change so that you might become unstuck? And the thought of change kind of freaks you out. Kind of freaks you out. Sometimes we can become so, we can so identify with being stuck that when we become unstuck, we're scared because we don't know who we'll be. We've been this all of our life, and if I change and I go, well, then who am I? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've so wrapped your identity up in where you are is stuck that if I break out of that stuck, I don't even know what my identity will be, and so that's fear. I can tell you it's for good met so many people who are dealing and battling with addictions that they're afraid to even give the addictions because all this time that was their identity who am i without this thing what would i look like what will life look like and so they stay stuck are you stuck today close your eyes allow the holy spirit to say something to you allow him to identify a place where you might be stuck some place that he's requiring change He's asking for it. If there's anybody in here, keep your eyes closed, please. If there's anybody in here, and you sense the Holy Spirit's revealing to you a place that you've been stuck, and He's saying it's time for change, would you raise your hand? Because I personally want to be able to pray yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, in the back. Yeah, up there. Okay, see, yeah, in the very back. Awesome. 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 So, Lord, you see my friends. Um, Lord, and, and I, I love their courage and their honesty. Lord, I, lo- I love their strength. It takes boldness to raise their hand right now to come before you. And admit that they're kind of stuck right now. Pride and everything else would try to keep us back from that. But Lord, we put our pride down. We, we cast it down. Pride, I don't want pride in our lives. We, 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 we want humility and just being honest before God. And so I thank you for my friends who are honest before God. And now, Lord, what I pray is this. Holy Spirit begin to speak into their hearts. Holy Spirit, begin to speak into their minds. Holy Spirit, bring a reassurance, an assuredness, and a boldness that you are going to walk them through this process and what stands at the end of the process is good. It's holy. It's strength. It's life. It's releasing. It's joy. It's vision. We speak that into their lives right now. And by way of just speaking that, listen, if you, rose, if you raised your hand, I want you to raise your hand again right now as though you're literally receiving it from heaven. Like as though you're literally taking it from him. As he hands it to you, you're receiving it. It's a receptivity. It's yours now. Close your hand and put it in your lap. It's yours now. You own that. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's been given to you. Your hand.
that's clenched, that's holding it, is in Jesus' hand. And Jesus' hand is in the Father's hand. And nothing can rip this away from you. It's yours. And so, Lord, we close today worshiping you for you being the one who directs and authors and walks us through seasons of change, knowing, God, we can trust you. We can trust you. We can trust you, Lord. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.